We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. It makes the Starseed Kitchen podcast possible. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and more, just like I do with the Starseed Kitchen podcast. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And be sure to like this episode of the Starseed Kitchen podcast and subscribe. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Starseed Kitchen podcast. I'm your host, Chef Whitney Aronoff, founder of Starseed Kitchen and High Vibration Foods. This is your source for information to empower you to be a positive seed for change in your community. Join me for conversation where we learn about food, wellness, and spiritual concepts for high vibration living. I'll be sharing my knowledge and learning with you from experts providing insight into nourishing all the layers of you, the physical, emotional, spiritual, and etheric bodies, so you can thrive in 5D. Let's get started. Well, today I'm really excited. I am interviewing Shakti Sita. She is the founder and lead teacher at the Palace Kundalini Yoga and Meditation Center in Sedona, Arizona. She guides deeply transformational journeys through meditation, movement, and sound. A session with her completely elevates the frequency and experience of one's life. Quantum leaps are the order of the day thanks to her deep connection to her yogic lineage. Thought leader, astrologer, and yogi, Shakti Sita empowers others to create their most exalted lives and experience their timeline of freedom and prosperity. After years as a national news producer at NBC and Fox, she healed herself from chronic illness and anxiety using meditation. This innate healing wisdom informs her teaching style. So let's welcome Shakti Sita to the Starseed Kitchen podcast. Atnam, thank you, Whitney. I'm so happy to be here. My pleasure. And I had the opportunity to have a incredible session with you at the palace with gongs, which truly has elevated my year in my life because I did that over my birthday weekend. So it's such a pleasure to see you again. Yeah, I'm so happy to see you again. And just witness your trajectory since our very divine meeting in Sedona and our gong session. And we also went up to Kachina woman and just, we saw so many beautiful things that day. Yeah. You really helped guide me, uh, to other great spots, other great hiking spots while I was in Sedona. So I was able to get the most out of my experience and time there. Yeah, actually we also, we went down to, um, shaman's cave. That's the, that's where we take the yeah. star seeds actually. Um, so really only if, only if you know what's up, you can, you can go down there. Cause it's the total, uh, Stargate. That's a beautiful place. And it's kind of nice to get out of, you almost feel like you're out of Sedona. Yeah. That's or like really out of, out of planet earth. Yeah. I really, well, yeah. So it feels really comfortable to me out there. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, home. both of us were like, oh, and which, which star planet are you from? And I was like, oh, these are, this is my person here. This is my <laughs> type of people. <laughs> Yeah. I'm one of those people that always try to introduce myself. Like there's nothing that's, that's odd or out of this world or off topic that you can bring up today. I'm open to it all. It's so great. It's it's just nice when you can go deep like that with someone. So I was just, it was just such a beautiful experience to have you out here and for your birthday and then just set the, set the tone for your year and all the things that you've launched. And then of course this podcast and being part of this podcasting launch and venture here for you. I'm, I'm so excited. Thank you. 
Well, can you tell, I know a little bit about your background, but can you tell the people that are joining us today a little bit more about your background and how you support humanity with the work you do now? Sure. Yeah. So I came from a like pretty traditional background of, you know, going to a four-year college and studying political science and English and all of those things. And went into national news production, was at NBC News, and then also Fox News. I saw both sides of the aisle and really pretty spectacularly burnt out um, from my time there. And uh, simultaneous to that, had uh, had a health crisis, essentially, from uh, from the type of work and the the energy of New York City also. And, uh, you know, I would say that on some level, it's my soul just trying to get my attention. Uh, you know, I'm trying to fit into a box that's not really uh, big enough to support my soul, essentially. And so uh, I started a PR firm. I was working in that. I was working in that realm. And that's when I really had the, the uh, earth shattering health crisis of mine. You know, there were little ones along the way. There's sort of those like little quakes and then there's like the big one. And the big one for me, it came in 2016 and really wasn't sure if I'd ever make it through to the other side. And I uh, thank God I did. And so I was coming off of anxiety medication. I was detoxing from birth control. I was detoxing from all of these different medications that doctors had prescribed me. And simultaneously having my third flare up of mono, wow. which was creating um, chronic fatigue and uh, an Epstein Barr situation. Uh, during that time, I, you know, basically, you know, you find you find God when you're kind of like on your knees, basically, and and just you know at, at the end of your end of your rope. And mm -hmm. there's this is also why I'm always so careful to like you know you don't want to rob people of what could be their greatest awakening. Sometimes you do actually have to go into those depths in order to bounce back out of it. And so for me, it, it came through starting to meditate and praying for my own healing. And in that moment of praying for my healing uh, and my first, really my first intentional relaxing of my nervous system, I had read that if I could just let my body relax, that the parasympathetic nervous system would kick in and that I could be um, basically the inner healer could come, come online. And so I did that and I prayed, I just said, I am healed. I am healed. I didn't have any sort of Kundalini mantras or anything at that time. And the divine mother showed up and I was like, this is different. This is not, this is, you know, out of the ordinary. And she told me to surrender and relax and, and, and I would be healed. And so the next night I did that and, um, and I had a full Kundalini rising. So like a, like just a physical experience of Kundalini rising, which is very mystical, powerful, um, very groundbreaking for the body to experience and the nervous system to experience. And, um, on the other side of that had to figure out what the heck just happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also though, found my healing. So it put me, it basically put me on a new frequency and experience of life. So it was like, I kind of went in one person came out another person and have never been the same since. And so since that moment, I've been just integrating the energy, integrating the healing and, um, you know, people's Kundalini will rise very naturally over the course of their life. But when you're in a sort of health crisis like I was, it can, um, in a very unstable way, rise. And uh, for me, it, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. But I also had tools and that's how I found Kundalini Yoga. So I practice and teach Kundalini Yoga because basically that's how my system is able to now function in a very um, normal way. And I'm able to uh, build nervous system strength to basically handle the immense amount of energy that can flow through my body. So, uh, so now I'm strong enough to do that. So that's the sort of like then and now, and then through that, incidentally, you know, I found I, the bigger awakening that came after that was that food is my medicine. It, I, it was, it was the, you know, there's, there's many, uh, routes into different awakenings. And for me, after that Kundalini rising experience, I found doctors, I found medical medium, I found different different avenues that basically guided me into changing my diet and yeah. changing what I'm eating. And through doing that, I was actually able to heal myself. I was actually able to 
completely conquer chronic fatigue, mono, anxiety, um, depression, all of these things just through what I was eating. And uh, so, you know, I think it was like that the week I came off of, I came off of dairy and gluten. Those were the last to go. Like I had already been vegetarian, but I was a pastatarian. So I would eat like, you know, just like the, just like straight pasta with like as much Parmesan cheese on it as I could have. And that didn't really work well for me. And so I, the week that I came off of dairy and gluten, I mean, literally the inflammation in my body just completely melted away. I had no idea I was even inflamed, just totally melted away. My brain fog, it was like clouds parting in my brain. And I was like, is this how everyone else feels? I was so pissed. I was like, is this like, like are other people just walking around feeling this good? And so so I realized that I really had a very direct experience of what food can do for my body. And so I've been on that, that sort of journey since, um, which I know that you appreciate because you, you get, I really get do. That. And because once you know how good you can feel, it's hard. You're, I wouldn't say it's hard. It's you're just not tempted to eat the things that you did many, many years ago because you just want to feel good every day Exactly. And you bounce out of bed. And I yes. bounce out of bed all depending on what I put in my body. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes I have, I have people or clients or, you know, everyone needs to talk to their doctor about what's right for them. I'm not in any way giving medical advice, but, you know, sometimes people come and ask me like, well, how did you get off of, you know, I just, I can't cut the cheese out. I can't cut the thing out, whatever. And, and, you know, keep your cheese. I don't care what you do, but if you want to, if you earnestly feel like that's something that you would feel better without, for me, that feeling of, of feeling so good is what motivates me. Like, no, I don't want to juice two stalks of celery when I wake up in the morning. In fact, it's the last thing I want to do. But when I drink the celery juice, I feel so damn good that if I don't drink it, that's not even really, it's just not an option to not do it. I completely understand. So for me, I stopped eating dairy for many years, not because I had any sort of inflammation or issue with it, it was simply once I learned about dairy in the United States versus dairy in Europe and the production process and the quality that we're now getting on our plates, I couldn't eat it anymore because I only wanted the best to go in my body. So I stopped for many, many years. And I actually, in the past three or four months, just started adding it back in, but I only use the best quality I can find. I only use organic pasture raised and raw. And if it doesn't meet those requirements, then I don't consume it. And I have found by choosing it at that quality, it gives me so much energy. Exactly. Well, it makes so much sense. And I don't know why we like made where this disconnect came from, but it's like the things we're ingesting have a frequency. And if it has a high frequency, when you ingest it, you are going to have a high frequency. It's actually super simple but we're so disconnected often from what's on our plate to what we're putting in our body. Yeah. So I'm sure part of your experience in that transitional time in New York led you to being really comfortable with intuitive eating. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I've always been very intuitive about about my, my diet and food that I eat, you know, the, the healing process though, like I, you know, intuitively, I really wanted Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream. And so that wasn't, that was the last thing to go for me, actually, when I was, um, it was really when I was just, I was very imbalanced from being on an SSRI for seven years. And so I was having crazy brain fog and fatigue. And honestly, when I cut that out, it was like, oh, all right, well, it's not worth me feeling like that every day. So it was easy to compartmentalize it like that. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's really, that's been such a journey, big piece of my journey that I don't often get to share because very few people really understand how the food is so intricately linked. It is our medicine period. Yeah. And it's also an emotional medicine. So Mm -hmm. like you started to figure out what you needed for your body, but like, you still wanted something like a Ben and Jerry's ice cream, which was (laughs) supporting an emotional side of you. You know, that exactly. No, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And it's so funny that you say this though. Cause I just said this to my husband last night. 
Cause I went to whole foods with him the other day. And often I don't do the grocery shopping. I kind of give him my list and he does it, which is amazing. Thank yeah. you, Dan. And, but I was with him the other day and, and because I'm there, our bill is always so much more because I pick random things because I'm just like drawn to the radishes this time. And I'm drawn to the pomegranates this time. And I'm just drawn to all these little things. And it was so funny because I was drawn to the radishes. We don't normally get radishes. It's not, it's not like one of our kind of like normal every week of on our list. And, and then I saw medical medium recently just posted his whole thing on like why radishes are amazing. And he said that they're, they're natural, like dewormers and they're natural. Um, they're, they just do all of these things that I was saying to my husband. I was like, I was like, I just feel a little bloated and like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just like ate something that like had some like, you know, bugs on them or something. And like, I just, and then the radishes are the solution to it. And I didn't know that going in, but I'm drawn to those and I, and I can trust that that's yes. going to be what's, what will help me. It's a natural bitter. And so a great thing to do is slice it or mandolin it really, really thin and just mix it in with your salad. And you kind of, you'll occasionally will know it's there because you'll get the little peppery mm-hmm. bite. But the other thing I love doing is just slicing them in half and roasting them for Ooh. like 15 minutes and they become vibrant pink. Really? And- really beautifully pink. So it makes a great topper on any dinner dish. And then it takes a little bit of the bitter out. So you just mix it in with your other vegetables that you've roasted it. And it's just this nice pop of pink in color. Um, great texture. Um, so those are two ways to enjoy radish without like just taking that little red ball and popping (laughs) in your mouth and like being blown away by the peppery taste. Exactly. Well, I normally just eat them just, just raw. But also medical medium was saying like, you can eat the, you can eat the greens. He says it's one of the best um, medicines on the earth and we just throw it out. Yes. I wash them well and I just blanch them in salty water when I blanch other greens. And then you can eat them just like that with a little drizzle of olive oil on top. Or you can then after you blanch them, which removes like the bitterness and gets also, I feel like any other um, uh, dirt or things off of them. Then you saute them with a little garlic or a little shallot. And they're really, really nice. Now you're speaking my language, more garlic, more shallots. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll do that tonight because I I've been, I I'm like, what, do, how do I eat these greens? I was actually, that was one of my, my questions last night. So thanks for an- answering that. Yes. Thank you. Well, the, the radish greens, the turnip greens and the beet greens are mm-hmm. so good for you. And you basically have to cook them within 24 hours of picking them up from the grocery store or the farmer's market because they wilt really easily. That's Mm. probably why we don't see them on grocery store shelves, but they're incredibly nutrient dense. And it's also a great sign of freshness. So when you're choosing your vegetables at a farmer's market or a grocery store and the greens look really good on top of the beet or the turnip or the radish, you know, they're really fresh, but you got to get them home and eat those greens that night. That makes so much sense. Thank you for, thank you for sharing this. Oh, Hey, I wish I could eat those greens more often, honestly, like they're, they're fantastic. So enjoy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So he, so medical medium, you know, he's, he's been a, a, an amazing resource for me for food and just guidance and stuff. And, you know, he says that basically those greens on the radishes are just as good, um, only in comparison to wild blueberries, which is like his favorite food of all time. And he says about the wild blueberries, same, same concepts as, you know, you are what you eat. The wild blueberries, they survive droughts. They survive um, floods. They survive pretty much everything. It's very hard to take out the wild blueberry crops. And so when you eat the wild blueberries, you yourself become more indestructible. And so that's why it's better to eat the wild blueberries than just like, you know, the prissy blueberries that like need, need very special care. Um, cause then you're, you become more indestructible. I I, I completely agree with that. And that's how I look at produce. So I actually like look for, especially, especially at a farmer's market, the imperfect produce. So the weird shaped ones or the ones that clearly had to adapt because I want to, put that adaptability in my body. Exactly. And what's more important right now than adaptability? Yes. So especially if I'm juicing, so I juice for one of my clients every week and I look for the apples that don't have bruises on them, but have like little scabs or little pieces where I see that they had to adjust to something because I want that intelligence in my intelligence is a perfect way to put it in my juice. 
Like whatever I can find that's a little imperfect is what I want. I love this. This is, this is honestly, I think one of the most important concepts and conversations, because if you can understand this, it awakens everything. I think like so, even, yeah. you know, I was a little bit like, you know, cause basically I became vegan unintentionally because of, um, the diet that I was on. And then I became vegan too, because then I was like, oh, this actually, I like this as a lifestyle. And I understand this as like a no harm lifestyle. But that said, you know, I, um, I cut out honey and honey is like one of the best things on this planet. It's one of the greatest gifts that this planet has. Yeah. And, um, cause it's sort of one of those gray areas for veganism. So I'd yeah. only have it like it was accidentally put on something. So I wouldn't be like super black and white about it. But then again, I went back to medical medium and I was like, you know, what's he say about honey? And he's like, honey is so critical because our ancestors at some point, somewhere in your, in your DNA line, someone survived off of honey. Yeah. And so it's so embedded in your DNA as a survival food. And when you're going through a time, like we are on this planet right now, this is not the moment to cut out honey. You need honey. It's actually pure medicine. It helps your DNA remember how to survive hard times. It helps Ooh. your DNA remember how to not be stressed in hard times. And he says, if you need miracles in your life, the, the honey can bring that kind of golden miracle energy, which yeah. I'm like, uh, sign me up. So, um, just recently I started like having a spoonful of honey every day, just straight honey. And I'm like, why was I denying myself this joy? I started doing that too, just in the past like month or two. And I have, um, I always keep different local raw honeys in my house. Um, I have a propolis blend as well. Um, and then I need to go and pick up more, um, more bee pollen, which is also a super nutrient dense food. Um, but I love listening to Matt Blackburn, Matt Blackburn, which has a line of supplements called MitoLife. And he mm. talks about, you know, instead of stocking up on all this garbage in case there's an earthquake where you live or some sort of emergency and you need to have food supplies at home. He's like, all you need is honey. He's like, you can survive off. Honey. You can survive off of honey. That's, this is the whole yeah. point. Like it has everything you need. Yes. Especially what you need for your brain. For your brain. And yes. At the end of the day, if you are stocking up food for any potential emergency, um, that you want to make sure you're giving your body brain food, because that's the number one thing that needs to be functioning more than anything else in, you know, a stressful situation. I love that. Um, also how does bee pollen work? Because I feel like there's always like, I I'm guessing it's not, it's not like pollen, is it? it it's not, uh, well, essentially it is pollen. Um, but it, all I know is it's like an incredible source of, um, of protein and brain food and gut health. Um, and you can just eat it straight. Yeah. I like to just sprinkle it on things. So oh, nice. sprinkle it on a smoothie, on a smoothie bowl, on yogurt, on ice cream. Um, on a salad, you just kind of sprinkle a little bit on everything. Um, you just need a little bit, like a teaspoon is more than enough. Mm. Uh, and if you don't like the flavor, you just need to try a different one. Um, Got because it. it's going to have the flavor of whatever's local. Um, it's hard to find sometimes at the grocery stores. It's definitely like a farmer's market treat, but, um, but there's a Colorado honey I've recently been buying. I I can send you the name after this. My clients introduced it to me. I'm a real, real big fan. Um, and I'm going to order theirs. They, they're the ones who I buy the propolis honey from. And they also have a lemon honey where they, they take the lemon and they add an organic lemon essential oil and whip it in. Mm. And it tastes like lemon frosting and it's just raw local honey. So good. Yeah. Just little treats. Like, you know, we all deserve to have a little sweetness in our life. And there's so many ways to get sweetness, um, that serves us in a positive yeah. way. Yeah. And then this is, this is then how the energy of it all works. You're ingesting sweetness in, and something that has a sort of miracle type of frequency. It's a very mathematical frequency too, that the bees are carrying. So yes. then you be, you become all of those things. And then your life gets to become more magical. It gets to become more in tune with the nature and the mathematics of it all. And then the sweetness of it all, like you want more joy and miracles in your life, have a yes. little honey. And then I do. And I'm going to have some honey after we chat. Me too. <laughs> Perfect. Well, so you mentioned like more miracles and more magic. Um, you've lived in Sedona now for a year. 
do you feel like you have more of that in your life because of where you're living? Yes. Thank you for asking. I have, um, I, I basically put the prayer out all the time that I just want to live a very magical life. I want my life to be very magical and filled with miracles. And even in my Kundalini yoga lineage, Yogi Bhajan would say, I don't, I don't, uh, count on miracle. I don't, he goes, he says, I don't pray for miracles. I expect miracles. He's like, I rely on miracles. So like everything he does is a miracle. And technically even, you know, waking up this morning and being able to record this podcast, absolute miracle. Yeah. And, but I, I think it's a being in Sedona, I'm able to recognize the miracles more because the miracles are always happening and we kind of can lose an appreciation for them in a place like New York. It can be very, um, you know, dry. And here it's like, everything's very, it's like kind of like fairies and, and rainbows and, and just, there's a whole different realm that's happening here. And then of course there's more miracles and just synchronicities and things that, that would cut, that come through in Sedona that just would not have ever happened when I was in New York. So, you know, the way that a hummingbird is flying by or, um, you know, the, the deer that catches my eye as I'm on a hike and, you know, we have a moment like that, that just wouldn't happen in New York. So it's been very magical being here. So I, I moved here in, I moved here during the pandemic. Um, basically I had a yoga studio. So I opened a Kundalini yoga studio because I was like, well, this is my path now. This is just my life now. And so might as well just steer into it. And, you know, sometimes that's how destiny works. Sometimes that's how your mission works. It's like, well, here it is. It's kind of staring you right in the face and you should just do the thing. Well, they probably nudged you a few times before, and then they realized that you needed to be like really hit with it in order to take the direction. So that's what they did, but you listened and then you opened the studio. (laughs) You nailed it on the head. I mean, people can't see my face right now, but I am like cracking up really hard because it's true. I had a vision of it back when I was working at Fox news, I had joined Equinox, um, you know, in Rockefeller center and they have a nice little yoga studio there. And I was doing yoga frequently because I found that it actually helped. Um, I was working the overnight shift. So I would go in the morning, like I'd open the doors, you know, and be like, Oh my God, there's light. And then I'd walk over and I'd go do yoga in the morning at Equinox. And I had a vision while I was there. I like saw it. I was kind of in a trance because I was so exhausted. I had just worked overnight and I saw a vision of it. I saw myself owning a yoga studio. I saw the floors. I saw the people coming in. I saw like, I actually, one of the pieces that I haven't like quite manifested is like, I saw childcare as part of it, like mm-hmm. that women would bring their children and then they could like, you know, do the yoga and everything. I saw so many very specific details and this is like 2014. So this makes no sense to me because I'm like, I'm at Fox news right now, writing, writing the news stories for Fox and friends in the morning. Like how am I supposed to open a yoga studio? That is just not my timeline. And, you know, sure enough it is though. So, so yeah, it came in pretty hard and you know, they got my attention, whoever they are. The, mm-hmm. the keepers of your destiny. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they made it very clear that this is my direction. So I opened a studio uh, in Dobbs Ferry, New York, in Westchester, New York, right outside of New York City, just a half hour outside of Manhattan. And I opened that in 2019. And uh, in February 2020, I went out to Egypt and had many, you know, experiences there and then came back March 8th, 2020, taught one workshop when I got back and then okay. had to close my studio. And, um, was forced to close by the government and, you know, obviously for safety, then it was very scary, but then they never reopened yoga studios. They never reopened gyms in New York. It was, uh-huh. it's honestly, there's a, a major tragedy there, but at the same time, like I said it to my husband, the moment that I saw everything that was happening before it even happened. Like, you know, the second I got back from Egypt, I was like, this is going to get bad and we need to go get toilet paper. And he was like, he was like, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. He like went to the grocery store that day and everything was fine. And then he went like the next day. He's like, they're out of everything. I'm like, I know that's what I'm saying. Um, so anyway, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to convey what you see intuitively sometimes, but yes, um, (laughs) you know, I kind of saw the whole thing play out. And I, but I pulled him aside early, early on in it. And I was like, people are going to benefit from this. How do we be those people? Because any great shakeup, any great tragedy, there's always winners and there's always losers. 
And it just comes down to where are you positioning yourself frequency wise and how are you grabbing opportunities? Not at the expense of people, not, you know, carelessly or heartlessly, but there's, um, there's a a trajectory of life that you kind of get to choose when, when there's massive shakeups that happen. And I, and so you know, I was, I, I positioned myself immediately that I would be on the lookout for opportunity, meaning I'd be on the lookout for, for where I could expand from this challenge instead of contracting and, you know, just close, I could have just easily closed the yoga studio and just been, you know, in New York still and in our one bedroom apartment. And I don't know, helping a few people over zoom every day. And instead we saw this opportunity to come to Sedona. I, I heard Sedona in a meditation and I was yeah. like, we have, we have to go to Sedona. And, and luckily my husband's like, all right, let's do it, whatever. And so we, we flew out to LA for a little bit. I, I saw my teachers, which was very helpful because I hadn't seen them in months. And then we drove out over to Sedona from LA and we knew it the second we got here, we were like, this is our home. This is where we belong. So that's the best feeling. It. Yeah, it it's is feeling like, you know, and you can be traveling and not looking for it. And when you feel that feeling, you'll never forget it. And it's incredible. And there's a place for everyone on this planet where they can feel that way. Yeah. Do you, have you had a place where you feel that? Yeah, I have a few places. Um, and since I saw you, I've also done astro astro cartography cartography. Yeah. Yes which gave me a little more guidance, um, still left me with a lot of questions, but gave me some more guidance into trusting what I've always known. And that's what I found really interesting. It's for me, it's a lot of the places that I was called to as a little, little girl, like the places that, you know, I would ask my parents to take me when I was five, six, and seven. Um, those are the places that, ring strongest and have the energy that will support me best while I'm here on this planet. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And again, we know these things intuitively. Yeah. If you want to look at your astro cartography, you can, it does work. It is pretty amazing. I ended up directly on my Jupiter line last year. It runs right through Arkansas. Oh my gosh. When I say the things that opened up and happened on my Jupiter line, it was just like, it was so expansive and magnetic and beautiful. I don't actually have a very, a specific line that runs through here, but I have yeah. some that's around. It's more the magnetic frequency in Sedona. Yeah. It's just like, my soul is just like, ah, okay, we can rest. We can communicate. We can, you know, there, there, I, I, it's just, there's clear clarity here and, um, and healing frequency. It's, it's just, it's a very special place. Hi, I'm chef Whitney Aronoff. As a personal chef, I created custom organic spices for my clients. These blends are of the highest quality with no added sugar, MSG, caking agents, or any junk. I want you to have the same access to good quality seasoning, which is why I've launched my line of organic spice blend. High Vibration Foods by Starseed Kitchen is my collection of chef-crafted organic spice blends made with only good-for-you ingredients. I use organic source spices, ancient mineral-rich Redmond real salt, prepare the blends listening to kundalini mantra music, then charge the jars with the quartz Giza crystals for a true high-vibration experience. You can now purchase my most requested blend, 11 Magic Herbs and Spices, on starseedkitchen.com. Use code STARSEED for 10% off your purchase. Can't wait for you to enjoy. So when you guys decided to move there, did you know that you wanted to reopen your Kundalini studio? Yes. So it's very important to me that Kundalini is taught and held somewhere on this planet in a way that it's connected to lineage and that it's actually being protected and held in a very sacred way. And because I come from a pure lineage, meaning my teacher Uh, had a teacher who had a teacher who had a teacher who had a teacher and they all respected their teachers and didn't slander their teachers and, you know, didn't cut themselves or sever themselves from the teachings. I actually now get to carry these teachings and um, transmit them to people who come through here. And one of the visuals that I got when I saw Sedona um, and why I needed to come out here is because these teachings would be safe in Sedona um, over these next few years and, and onward, because you know, I do think that these next 
these years that we've been in and going forward, we just need to like, you know, we just got to chill. We just got to, there's a, there's a riding out that has to happen. And that's been a big piece of guidance all along. Like there's, you know, you can ride things out and, you know, figure out how are you going to protect what matters. And for me, these teachings are what matter. And so, you know, they're not for everyone. Like this is, this is where like, you know, we get, people get it twisted. You know, we're not trying to teach everyone. We're not trying to, um, to make anyone do Kundalini yoga. If your soul has a connection to Kundalini yoga, we have the teaching, meaning I have them and my teachers have them. And so that's, that's where I'm at with that. And, but having a community center where these things can be practiced is honestly the biggest F you to what's happening on the planet, um, that I could imagine. And so it's sort of like, that's where I kind of get my, my juice from is like, is like, I know that me having, you know, 11 people in here doing a tantric healing circle is totally going against the dark forces on this planet. And I love it. I love it so much. (laughs) And I'm grateful that you're doing it because holding the information right now is really important in all different caveats. Um, So for me, a lot is coming up regarding the Knights Templar in my life right now. It's always, it's obviously something I've always known about. I haven't wanted to explore it, but for some reason, it's really bubbling up inside me as something I have to study and um, experiences I have to release from my bloodline and what I'm carrying in my body. And, you know, their goal was to um, help the pilgrims get to the Holy Land and to hold sacred objects and traditions and information for humanity in a safe place. And I feel like all of us in our different practices have to do that right now. We do. We really do. Because, you know, the prophecy of the age of Aquarius is basically that there's so much information that no one can even find what's real anymore. And so you have to find people who actually have things that are real now. You can't just Google things. It doesn't work that way. You can go take a Kundalini class. If they're not connected to a lineage, you're just doing aerobics. It's not Kundalini yoga. And so- um, you know, we had these monks come through here, the, these Tibetan lamas actually were in Sedona recently. And I, um, you know, made an offering to them to have them come and do a studio blessing here. So they actually came to the studio and they did this huge, beautiful consecration ceremony and they blessed the land. They created a nectar and they like put it all around the property. And they're like, okay, so we created the etheric structure and, um, everything is pure and the deities are all happy and blah, blah. blah. I mean, it was like, okay, great. Just a casual, you know, Friday in Sedona or something like that. And, uh, but the point of this is, is that when they came, they introduced themselves and the translator was introducing, um, the two main llamas who were there. And they have a very special distinction, which is the Geshe degree. And so they're Geshe and then their name. Now, this Geshe degree basically means that they have uh, memorized all five of the sacred Buddhist texts in their entirety to the point where they know where every word is on every single page. And I'm like, wow. So talented. Yeah. So talented. Right. Now they practice, they practice for, they basically study it from, from childhood, you know, from childhood, it's, it's a very, it's a huge honor um, for a family to give their child to the monastery. It's, it's a huge, you know, they, they pray to have a child that they can give to the monastery because they're the ones who carry the teachings. And that's the most important part to have access to the teachings. And so if you create a child who can then carry the teachings literally through their own memorization of it, they themselves become the sacred text. So you don't have to worry about where are you storing these sacred texts they are the sacred texts and where they're coming from in their, their lineage, you know, they were in Tibet and their monasteries were burned to the ground using the sacred texts to burn the monasteries. And so now they, they ensure that these texts will never disappear by memoriz- by memorizing them and passing on that memorization from generation to generation to generation. And it's not just like a normal memorization. It's like, they debate the texts for eight hours a day, um, six days a week or something like that. So there's, there's constant debate and they're not taken at face value. Um, if there's an issue with the text, they will actually, you know, go at it. 
So, you know, when you think about life that way, it puts a whole different perspective, a whole different lens on the whole thing, because for them, you know, their parting gift to me was some sand, like a little bit of sand, uh, from, from their thousands of sand mandalas that they've made. So they make these, yeah. um, if you've ever watched a video of it, it's, it's absolutely mesmerizing. They create these, um, basically these deities, uh, in the sand mandalas and, uh, and they're chanting while they do it. And they, it's a very specific technique. And then they, they brush them away. So this, this, the moment that they're done with them, yeah. it's gone. And it's this huge teaching of impermanence, which, uh, you know, we've all had a very good dose in this past, you know, year or two years now. And this impermanence of, okay, just let it wash away is such gold, but then they keep the sand, they give some of it back to the earth, to the deities, to the, you know, the David realms and stuff like that but they gave me some of it and they said, take this. And any, if, if you know someone who's, um, you know, about to pass or die, or if you yourself or know you're going to die, you put it right on the crown of your head. Mm -hmm. Um, so that as the soul leaves the body, it picks up some of the energy from the sand mandalas so that it ensures that you're reborn as a human in your next life with access to the teachings not as a human with alcohol problems or a human with a huge house or wealth, a human with access to the teachings. Yeah. Because that is the most important thing that you could do as someone who is truly committed to dharmic practices and, you know, this situation on planet earth. Yeah. Anytime that you can access the history that's already in you and use that to better, you know, steer your life. Like that is really everything. Exactly. And a lot of it is that is just that you're, co it comes online. So like, I see it in a lot of people who, you know, they, they stumble into a Kundalini class and they don't know why they're there. And meanwhile, it's like their soul dragged them there or better yet, they're pregnant and the child brought oh, them there how or lovely. they're about to be pregnant and the child brought them there. So yeah. often, often the child needs the mother to reach a certain frequency in order to come into the planet. And so they, they kind of bring the mother there. So I've had it twice where a mother walks in on her 120th day, which wow. is the day that the soul enters the body and they don't know it. And in one case, it was her first class ever. I've never seen her again. She literally only came on her 120th day. And, and I, I, I kind of like did you know, the mathematics of it. And I was like, I think it's her 120th day. So I did all the things to like, you know, get the frequency really high. Um, anyway, people's, the memories come online because you're in a certain frequency of the practice. And it's like, oh, right. I, I do know, I do know these things, or I remember this posture. I remember this. I have this sort of weird flashback from a past life and it's known as treasure revealment. Basically there's attainment in your auric field that you're carrying from lifetime after lifetime, but it takes a certain frequency that you have to reach in order to pull it down from your aura. So yeah. it can actually happen overnight where someone can like have a certain frequency that they hit and all of a sudden, um, an attainment of like singing can drop into their aura. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, oh, I was an opera singer in a past life. And now, now I'm singing. That makes perfect sense to me that as you expand, you're better able to tap into the skills that you've already mastered, mm -hmm. you know? obviously they're already there. You see them when you look at people's natal charts, it's already in your blood, you know, it's there. You just have to tap it. And that's through your frequency, which then connects to, you know, what you're eating, what you're putting in your body, which what's around you, what you're taking in with your eyes, you know, that's a huge piece. Again. That is a huge, you just said a very important part. I, I know love that you, you, you're totally read in what you're taking in with your eyes also counts yeah. as consumption. And it it's really, it's quite a, a, an important key of it. And also, you know, the people that you surround yourself with, but there's a, um, you know, there's, there is a teaching that you shouldn't necessarily have pictures of your family line around your house. Like a lot of really? pictures of like grandparents and stuff, because that projection at you all day, every day doesn't allow you to live your own life. That's very true. It's very That's true very because the family projection, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, great grandparents survive the potato famine, that projection doesn't serve you. It's not going to help you at all in this life. You can look at pictures of them, but you actually want to be careful about constantly consuming those images every yeah. single day because you're very uh, intertwined with them. 
And, um, so it's better to have more like, like I have a lot of tankas around and sacred objects and, you know, things that if I look at them, I'm connecting more to my lineage, to my destiny versus to the family line. And, you know, ultimately when it comes to relating to the family line, your destiny, your, um, your own soul's liberation, it liberates seven generations forward and seven generations back. So, you know, don't worry about disappointing grandma because you like married someone she wouldn't like, like just worry about your own liberation because then grandma will be liberated. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't like we, we get it all twisted that like, we have to like make our parents proud or whatever. They'll be proud of you because you're, you're doing you, you're doing, you're doing your spiritual practice and your Dharma and you're happy. And that happiness is what, what actually then will liberate them as well. Well, this is great advice for people that want to refresh their home in the new year, which, you know, and I'm actually getting ready to move. I'll be moving and doing a lot of cleaning before the new year. And I love this advice. So that way, the things that I'm putting out in my home are the ones of the life that I'm creating and calling in for myself. Exactly. Exactly. And like, you know, even think of like, just think of the artwork that you have around too. Like, you know, when I really received this teaching, you know, meaning I had heard it a few times, but then it like hit me and I was like, Oh God, like I was like looking around at my apartment and I had like just a lot of weird home goods stuff and like some target stuff and like, you know, a painting that was like a little questionable and like basically whoever painted the thing, their consciousness is, is broadcasting at you. Yeah. And do you want that consciousness broadcasting at you? I don't know. You know, there's certain weird, you know, twisted art out there and it's not necessarily going to be helpful or beneficial for you to be staring at it every day. So I'm, I'm constantly sort of trying to edit that part of my frequency intake. I don't have much art in my house, but one of the things I do have is art by my great grandmother, who was a plain air artist, really beautiful, um, beautiful landscapes, um, you know, California, um, plain air art. And I've studied mediumship for many years. And one day my mediumship teacher just said out of the blue, she had no idea what was in my house. She had no idea. My great grandmother was an artist. She just said, when you need love, just look at your great grandmother's paintings and she'll send you love. Exactly. That's it. Cause the frequency is there. Yes. And that's beautiful because then that's like, it's like almost better than having a picture. Now it's not, it's not always like, um, it's not in every case scenario that you get rid of a picture of someone, you know, if, if your mother is like, you know, running the free world, like it might be beneficial to have a picture of her around because like, that's a really good broadcast to be, you know, working with every day. But uh, that's a beautiful way of of receiving that energy without maybe also having like the family pattern or or whatever else might be broadcasting. Yeah. So there's yeah so many layers to everything that we choose to put in our house, Um, and so many things come with the things that we choose to put in our house. Um, Now the palace, which I've had the pleasure of like having a gong session, is a beautiful, beautiful place with a lot of really unique crystals and gongs and different pieces. Um, if someone was to reach out to you for a retreat or a gong session, like what is the benefit of being in your Kundalini yoga studio? Mm. What are the things that you've chosen to put in there that help people's bodies and help people make a positive shift? Yeah. So I'm really into this, into setting up spaces. And basically it's because when you walk into a space, think of like when you walk into an air conditioned room, you're going to get cooler, whether you mean to or not. Yeah. And so the idea is that I've infused this space with so much of my practice teachings and frequency of of these teachings that when you walk in, you pick up the teachings without even having to do anything. And so whether you go into a deep meditation, book a session or not, if you just walk through the door, you have benefited and received something just through the visual consumption, through the energetic consumption. And, um, you know, the word that's coming is the David consumption, meaning there's a lot of beings that like hanging around here because of the frequency of the place. So the Deva, the David realms, they're sort of like, uh, you know, the angelic type of, of, um, unseen entities. And so, you know, there's certain things right now we have these two, uh, citrine towers in here that I have just been loving 
um, my friend Andrea Wright, uh, the crystal situation, she hooks us up with crystals all the time and she's my crystal dealer. And she, uh, she left us these citrines here and they have just been so happy. They're these huge citrine towers and they kind of blast the space with this golden energy and this golden energy to me is such, um, such an essential part of the Kundalini frequency. Someone who practices a lot of Kundalini will actually have a golden aura and this golden aura. When you come into contact with someone who has a golden aura, it's very healing. And sometimes you can hear it in their voice. Sometimes it's just, you walk by them in the grocery store and you're like, oh, I don't know. I just felt better. It's sort of like that air conditioning thing again, where it's like, wow, I feel cooler now, or I feel, you know, whatever. I felt something just by being around this person. So I love having that golden, that golden frequency. And then I also have some tankas in here as well, which the monks bless. They also told me there's a mistake in one of the tankas. I was like, oh shoot. Um, which is a huge blessing that they told me this because when there's a mistake, it can actually change the whole frequency of the whole thing. And so, you know, they recommended that I replace one of them because it will, it will basically just click the frequency in just that much more. Yeah. Much more stronger, much more stronger, much more pure. And then of course I have lineage representatives on the altars here. So I have the picture, I have the Tratakam of Yogi Bhajan, which he said when he took that picture and he saw it, he said, this contains the whole Kundalini yogic lineage through the transmission of just the picture alone. So if you see the picture, you're actually connecting to the lineage without me again, having to say anything you've now connected to the lineage. And then I have Guru Ram Das on the altar as well. Who's, um, who's a major, uh, compassion frequency and lineage holder. And then I also have a picture of Guru Jagat on the altar as well, who, um, just recently passed this year, uh, very, um, very early, you know, she passed 41 years old. Um, she's been my, my, uh, my main teacher for a long time now. And, you know, the day I knew that I would learn from her is actually the day I walked into one of her studios in Rama, New York. So this was in New York city. I walked into Rama, New York. I was signed up for a different Kundalini yoga training. It was just like too much of a schlep to get downtown. And I just went down to Rama, New York. Cause one of my friends was, uh, asking me to go and I walked in, I took in the space and I just went, whoever created this space is my teacher. That's it. That's all I needed to know. I was like, I, this yeah. is it. I signed me up for everything. I'll do it all. And it's literally from that moment that I, that I started actually following, um, following her around the world and, and, um, and now, you know, receiving her guidance from, from other realms as well. So, so yeah, so she's on the altar as well. So spaces can, they can do a lot. They, they got me onto, into my, into my correct lineage really. Cause I mean, it it could have been it could have gone a different way. I could have I could have just stuck with that other teacher training, but because I walked into her space, yeah, and I felt her aura around the space. That's how I was able to connect to a lineage that um that's still intact and is still practicing and teaching. And you listened, and I listened. Yeah, you listened to the signals in your body and around your body, which is I think one of the most important lessons we should all take in now. Because like, as you mentioned in the age of Aquarius, there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of people that are going to tell you that one camp is right and the other camp's wrong and vice versa. Like this happens a lot with the, with food, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't know how to eat. Um, and so you just have to listen to what your body needs more than anything. And I feel like it's such an interesting time because part of it is understanding our blood, our lineage where we come from, what our family has consumed for generation after generation. So we've kind of primed our body for a certain way, but we're going through such a massive energetic transformation that what our bodies need now aren't necessarily what that lineage needed, you know, because we're all, our frequency is changing so drastically every day, whether it's up spiral or down spiral, it's being affected by the places where we're living by, you know, manufactured frequencies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many layers to what's going on that it's really requiring you to tap further into what you need right now. Yeah, totally. You're, you're so on the money. It, the, the frequency of the planet is shifting so rapidly right now. If you are the same person you were two years ago and eating the same thing you were eating two years ago, I highly recommend just looking at that. Just like do like maybe some, 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 uh, recon on, on yourself about yeah. that, because it's just, it's not always relevant. And I have this saying, so like on my retreats, we don't include food because 
for me, one of my greatest teachings that I'm here to give is how to live a sovereign life, how to actually have sovereignty and, and, you know, reign over your own queendom and kingdom. And a lot of that is by not giving your power away to external sources. So if I'm feeding you and you're just like in the zombie, like I'm just going to eat what's ever in front of me, I'm really robbing you of an opportunity of sovereignty. And so, you know, I say this to some people and they, they crack up, but I'm serious. Like if you can't figure out what to eat, I can't help you I agree. Like, with anything. I agree. Like, like I can't, like, I actually just can't help. Like it's, it's like, start there, figure out what you want to eat. Yeah. And then we can talk about everything else because I can't do my do- job. If somebody doesn't tell me what they want. Right. And I actually have had clients that want to hire me, want me to cook for them, but they don't know what they want and I can't help them. You know, I can put a variety of menus in front of them, but they still can't figure out what they want because they're so overwhelmed with what everybody else is doing, what they're reading and seeing. Well, Um, and and you can't blame, you can't even blame, can you, you can't even really blame anyone. So it's like, cause it, cause it's so, it can be so inundating just to like be alive and and exist on this planet right now. So like, of course it's like, wait, I have to decide what to eat for lunch now. Like it's way easier to just eat the same thing every single day for 20 years and then, you know, retire. And so it's, it's a real practice and especially like the work from home people too. Like, are you actually hungry? Do you actually want to take a lunch break right now? Like eating there's sovereignty too, around eating when you're actually hungry and not eating when you're not hungry. These little things, just because like, we've basically been taught since, you know, uh, elementary school, here's your lunch break, eat, or you're going to be hungry the rest of the day. Yeah. And, and so we've learned to override these systems of intuition and food is, is very base level intuition. And then you extrapolate that out to everything else that everyone's like, Oh, what do I do with this? Well, it's like, you know, the answer, you actually know the answer to all of these things that you're, you're like trying to get the psychic to tell you, or me to tell you, or, you know, Whitney to tell you. And, uh, really like, you know, you've always known the answer Yeah, and you just actually have to let yourself feel that. Yeah. And once you start tapping in to yourself, you'll notice where you are on the planet, what time of year it is like the season, and then what's going on with the moon. Those three things will affect your appetite, what you want to eat, how much you want to eat, how long of a break do you need in between meals? You start to realize you can't make yourself as structured as society wants you to be because that's not how your body's responding. So I find, for instance, when I was in Ireland, I like didn't need to eat. I could have breakfast and dinner and a carrot in between. It was unbelievable. I was so confused because I was filled with so much energy from the land and my body was going through so much ancestral and past life healing while I was on that land. And I was just gaining so much energy from it. Um, I just didn't really need to eat versus other places I go when I'm in Arkansas because of all the quartz crystal underneath that ground, I have to eat all day long. I'm starving. And I always leave. I've lost weight, but I'm starving and I can't stop. Um, so, and then, you know, back in normal life, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Some days you need more than others because it's a new moon or a full moon, or you're going through a different life cycle. Exactly. Exactly. And this is a good segue into all of the stuff I've been working on with my moon map, because there's so many cycles that we go through. And for us to pretend as women that we're the same every day, it's just, it's just not true. (laughs) So why would we eat the same every day if we're not the same every day? And especially if we're moving around and all of that. So yeah, I, I feel that. Perfect. Well, we've been chatting for a while, so we probably sadly need to wrap things up. But um, if people want to learn more about you or come to Sedona and take a Kundalini yoga class with you, how can people find out more about you and how to contact you? Yeah, the best way to contact me is through Instagram right now, which is at Shakti underscore Sita underscore. And that's the best way to contact me. It's the best way to find my teachings. All the links will be in my bio there. You can also go to thepalace.com and it's P-A-L-L-A-S.com, like Palace Athena. And that's where you can learn about our current offerings. A lot of our group retreats are um, full before they even open for sale right now. 
So if you want to get in on those, you do have to shoot me some sort of a DM and let me know what's up. And, and, uh, if there's a spot, I might be able to give you one. Um, but I do these private retreats as well. So if you want to set one up, like I have one coming up, uh, in November, I'm so excited for, you know, someone's 40th birthday and she's coming to town with five of her friends. And so she's doing a private weekend with, with, with me at the palace. And that's the perfect kind of, um, experience that I love putting together. So we do red rock land, uh, healing sessions. And then we come into the studio and do gong sessions and meditation and, uh, circles and, uh, you know, do ceremony and things like that. So it's, it's really special to curate events like that. And then I also do one-offs and I have a coaching program as well, which I really just love going deeper. So if you want to, if you're totally new to meditation and you just feel like it can help you and you want, you want private teachings with me, the coaching program is actually usually your best route for the mentorship side of things. So as we wrap things up, can you leave our listeners with just one healthy tip that they can consider adding into their life to improve their well-being? Yes. My greatest tip I can give you is every time you inhale, use the mantra sut. And every time you exhale, use the mantra nam. So the mantra is sut and nam, S-A-T-N-A-M. And sut, it's the truth. It's what's real. It's what's relevant to you. And nam is the form of it. And when you are chanting that all day with your breath, first of all, it keeps you present, which is very helpful. Second of all, you're getting your mantra recitations in, which is um, beneficial because they go with you life after life. And third of all, it creates a bullshit filter in your aura because we need that right now so that you're able to sift through information because there's so much out there. So you'll be able to see what's real and relevant and true for you. And then you won't get caught in other people's non-realities. And so inhale, sut, exhale, now, and take at least 11 minutes of those conscious breaths a day and your whole life will change. Shakti Sita, Satnam. Satnam. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Starseed Kitchen podcast. For more Starseed Kitchen, visit our website at starseedkitchen.com and follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Be sure to pick up a jar of my high vibration foods, organic spices, which you can purchase on starseekitchen.com. And you can find me and follow along on my cooking adventures on all your favorite social media channels at Whitney Aronoff.